Hey guys, welcome back to the Spirits Guide Podcast. I am Rich, your guide through the intoxicating spirits world. I want to thank you guys for coming back for another listen. Uh, It's hard to believe we're six full episodes in already. We're really starting to get things going. In this episode here, I don't know, I, I feel like this may be the most excited I've been about an episode. This is certainly going to be the most informative episode, and for me, maybe the most interesting one so far. What I wanted to do with this episode was give you guys kind of a glimpse, a listen into what happens uh, when I meet with a brand rep. A lot of times, maybe not everybody, but sometimes you, you walk into a store and you wonder, like, how does that get placed? How do things end up in the store? And I don't know how it works in other stores, but almost nothing gets into my store without crossing my palate first. And you guys who know me and have been kind of following along, you know that I love a good story. I, I love history. I love quirky products. I love things that are off the beaten path. And I love things that function on passion and heart and soul. So I set out to kind of give you guys a glimpse of what it would be like to hear when sales reps come in to pitch me. And much like everything I do, it turned out to be so much more than what it should have been on the surface. Uh, Brian Bartell is the local rep for St. George Spirits. Uh, he actually found me on the Spirits Guide Instagram page. We connected, we chatted through there. He asked if he could come out and share some of these spirits with me. And you know, I had liked everything I had tasted from St. George. Admittedly, these are not spirits for everybody. These are not, you know, your generic wholesale spirits. These are interesting spirits for people who are interested in interesting things. So I didn't know what he was going to be bringing me. Uh, he was kind enough to let me hit the record button. And we just sort of let it go where it went. And where it went was maybe the most interesting lineup of spirits. You know, usually people who make things, they make one thing. St. George makes absinthe. They make brandy. In fact, right now as I record this, I'm sipping on the reserve apple brandy, which is mind-blowingly just fantastic and unique and interesting. They make gins. They make single malt whiskey. They make blended American whiskey. They make eau de vies. They make sochu. It just doesn't get any more diverse. Uh, They make gins. The terroir gin is another one that's just kind of way, way out there, and it's delicious and fantastic. So not only did I get to taste through some amazing spirits, but Brian shared some great stories, histories behind it, uh, how these things are made. So if you guys like the deep dive on what goes into some of these cool bottles, you're going to get that here. Uh, it was just a total joy. And Brian, I cannot thank you enough uh, for sharing this with me. And I I look forward to bringing in more of these products as well. Now, when you go through and you hear this, some of the things that I did bring in, I brought in the pear eau de vie. I brought in the spiced pear liqueur. Uh, I've already carried the B&E whiskey, the baller single malt, and we carry the lineup of gins at my store. That being said, if there is something that we mention during the podcast that you guys are out there and you're interested and your customers at Wachusett Wine and Spirits, 
and you want me to get a bottle for you because I can't always bring everything into the store just because I like it. You know, obviously, um, I'm business minded as well. I need to be able to know that there are customers who are going to buy it once I bring it in. So if there's anything you guys hear in this podcast where you're like, whoa, that sounds amazing. Email me spiritsguide89 at gmail.com or on Facebook or on Instagram. Message me. Let me know that you'd like me to get it in and I'll reach out and I'll get this stuff in. There's some great, great products that are just a must have on any home bar. That being said, if you like what's going on here, uh, if you're getting into it, if you, you like where we're going on this journey, again, go to the podcast page on Spotify, find that little five-star rating right above the trailer, right below the show description. Give us a five-star rating, follow the podcast. You'll get notifications each time new episodes drop. Full episodes are dropping every Friday from here on out. Um, Follow us on Instagram and Facebook as The Spirits Guide. I say us. It's really just me and then my friends who stop by every now and then. But follow The Spirits Guide, Facebook, Instagram. You can leave reviews on the episodes. You can leave comments. And you can actually direct message me on either one of those platforms. And like I mentioned, you can reach me, uh, thespiritsguide89 at gmail.com. Yeah, if you've got an idea for a show... If you've got a, a sample of something that you found that you want my opinion on, you, you want to hear a review on it. Uh, if there's something I've tasted and you'd like to try a sample of it, I will do the best I can to get you a sample of that. Or if you just want to come join me here in the studio, record an episode with me. We can talk about music. We can talk about movies. We can talk about books, all kinds of spirits, whatever you want to talk about. I just love talking to people and getting kind of geeky and going deep on things. Uh, so. If you want to do that, feel free to reach out. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I enjoyed uh, making it. And really, it was just easy to make it. All I had to do was let Brian tell stories, pour me drinks, and I get to taste the most amazing stuff. So hopefully you guys find it as interesting as I do. And we'll uh, we'll chat with you soon. Cheers. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I know you're familiar with us, but yeah, there's our little booklet. Um, I love the no smoking sign. <laughs> yeah, celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. It's pretty crazy. It's wild. Yeah, still totally independent. Uh, really, one of the last at this point. Um, with everybody selling <clears throat> to the bigger companies, but uh, yeah, still just us. There's only six of us who do my job, so we all have about 70 states that we run around to, and then. Just Lance and Dave and a few other people at the distillery. So it's uh, about 23 of us total full-time employees at St. George at 40 years. It's pretty crazy. That's wild. Yeah. yeah. And about four people turn out turn out all this somehow. I don't know how that's, they do it still. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm excited to dive in. I mean, some of this stuff I've tasted. Yep. But I'll definitely taste sure. it. The terroir gin... It's just it's probably my favorite thing that we make. I, I love it all, but that terroir is probably what I drink the most. It's the quirkiest. Um, so I don't know like if you dove into anything that we do here, but so I started during COVID, I started doing videos, you know, okay. uh, which is now just kind of blossomed into this whole thing, which has led to the podcast. Um, so the first thing I did was there was no March Madness that year, so we did like a whiskey bracket 
challenge. I set it up. You know, we tasted whiskeys against each other. And uh, right there. how are you? Good. Kind of crowned the best under thirty-five dollar bourbon in nice. the store. And then last year we opened it up to all American whiskeys, and the one that won last year was Redwood Empire. Okay. Lost yeah. Monarch. Um, I got to meet Derek, who spoke very highly of St. George. Oh, that's good to hear. How you guys are basically neighbors out there. Yep. Um, and then this year, like B and E, I think is my my odds-on favorite to oh, kind of go the, the distance right. on that one. But then we did a gin one last year with my sidekick, Corey, and I. And, uh, yeah, we tasted all the St. George the gins. Cool and, uh, yeah, that terroir made quite a run. It's a quirky one because it's yeah. not for everybody, but no. it's so, so it's, good. It could be like a lot of our stuff, but polarizing to some people, but mm -hmm. that's what Lance has always set out to do. You know, we never... Um, He's never been like, oh, this thing Hendrix is doing well. Let's put out a Hendrix. No, nope. he done everything we do. The baller. I, I don't know if you've tried that, but um, the baller is, is maybe the greatest highball whiskey ah, ever created. Awesome. Which was the idea. That's it's perfect. so good. So fun story with the baller. Like I brought. I first of all, I looked at the bottle. and I was like, I need to have yes. that bottle. And then I tasted it. I was like, I don't know what this is, but it's fucking amazing. <clears throat> so I get to meet Amanda Beckwith from Virginia Distillery. Okay, I knew I knew that name. Um, yeah. And so she came up and, and met me here. We did a barrel with her. Nice. And I was like, "Do you want to taste something quirky?" So I pulled that out because I had my bottle here. She loved it so much. She bought a bottle of Baller to bring back to Virginia to taste the team her over team there. over there. Nice. You know, that's a good compliment. And so I've been. I mean, I love the whiskey, but I've also been a big. You know, for American single malt, yeah, in that push and in trying to get people to understand what it is, what it and, is yeah. and that's it's the actual original style of whiskey that we were making. Yep, when we came here, it is. I mean, I was just at this, and we all we are all facing it when we're doing these whiskey events. Like I was just at one this weekend in New York, and it was I don't like single malt. It's like, well, what? Like you know, that's a pretty broad statement of like yeah. I don't like water. You know, there's yeah. a lot of different yeah. stuff on here. But it is educating the people and, and getting them out there. But, uh, yeah, it's funny you said there, there was a guy from Westland there, and um, <clears throat> he came across, came over, and he's like, I work for Westland, and my wife's favorite whiskey is Baller. She's like, and I like your Baller, but I work for Westland. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I brought everything and even some stuff that's not in there. Um, and I know you had mentioned the Odevies, which, of course, I have. Um, we have some other cool ones, too, like our Basil Odevie. Um, which is never like really out too much, uh, uh, and again, I'm I'm on your schedule, so I'm mm -hmm. happy to taste as much or as little as you like. That's our barrel aged version of the dry rye. Whoa! I have our shochu, which is integral in making baller, and then uh, I brought our apple brandy too. I am in heaven. <laughs> um, but this, yeah, the eau de vies, I mean, the pear is the first thing we ever made in 1982. And, you know, so it's our flagship still made the exact same way. Um, oh, man. Yeah, the basil's really cool. And I just, just before COVID hit, I brought it into Massachusetts. Um, I don't have it. I think we have it in New York City, but nowhere else in the Northeast. Do you need a glass for yourself? Um, sure. Why not? Thank you. Yeah, so the cool thing about the basil, I think, is that um, unlike our fruit brandies, which are just pure fruit, it's pretty impossible to 
to squeeze a yeah. hazel. Um, so it's uh, uh, brandy, uh, grape based, I should okay. say. Mostly Chardonnay grapes, but a few other varietals. Um, Thai basil, Genovese basil that we macerate in there. Um, full proof, so 80 proof. The nose is. It's amazing. Just there's, so I've never seen anything tasted anything like this out there. No, but I immediately want Thai food. That's wild. It's cool, right? That that to me like that Thai basil almost has like that um, black licorice, and mm -hmm. then that Genovese is like that. I don't know, I poorly describe it as like a pizza basil, like caprese. Yeah. Um, but it's like savory, but it, it, it's really It's cool not to see. overwhelming yeah. either. Yeah, that's. It's so good. That's, that's cool, right? It's so cool. <laughs> and the, sorry, the label's a little dirty. I spilled something on it. But uh, those were our original Odevis, all were Aqua Refecta. Okay. Uh, perfect water. Um, and we had gone away from it over the years and then. Put out the basil. It was really just California for a long time, and then kind of trickled it out to our bigger markets as like another added skew. It, like, I feel like that could go off the rails really, really easy, and it's, it's just perfect. Oh, the the balance on it is fantastic. <clears throat> it's like subtle, but the taste yeah. is there, and it, uh, I love cocktails where they can go like strawberry summery or it can go to a bloody mary or a savory oh, martini yeah. um that i've had accounts do like um you know almost like a caprese martini and serve it with a gar full garnish and a mm -hmm. little balsamic um or split base with gin sometimes it just uh, it works in some cool as uh yeah applications I mean, yeah any sort of gin i even like a bee's knees almost oh, with some honey cool. and yeah and some lemon in there yeah, that's wow. That's so cool. Thank you. Yeah, I figured you would appreciate some of the, the more esoteric things. Yeah, <clears throat> and that's again, that's definitely what I do and what I look for. And so the pear, first thing we ever made, uh, still making it the same way to this day. Uh, pure pear about 35 pounds of pear in every single bottle that we produce. Wow. Um, and that this these pears also go into our spice pear liqueur. Um, but we the think the thing that stands out from for us from a lot of the other Odevis is uh, we use the whole fruit. So the stems, the leaves, skin, seeds, everything gets crushed, cold fermented for about two weeks, uh, and then distilled. Uh, for the Odev, never sees a tank. It just goes, um, never sees a barrel, I should say. Goes into a tank to proof it down yep. uh, and aerate a bit, but then right in the bottle. I love that aroma. I feel like there's just not enough of this on the market, and I don't know how to get people to understand that yeah. these aren't sweet either. Like, well, yeah, let me know if you figure it out because I love to yeah. get people to get it too. I think, uh, you know, like I, I grew up in Massachusetts, and it was like blackberry brandy when it was cold out and right it's like this yeah. little sugar bomb of cough syrup but, yeah um our founder jorg was for, is from was for is from germany um and he grew up just making schnapps since he was a kid on the, on their family farm and that's why when he moved to america's he really just created this as like a you know european style eau de vie 
Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. It's so clean. You almost like I taste the texture, which is yeah weird, but I, that graininess, I kind of feel it come through. And again, full strength. Yep. And no, no added nothing, uh, just pear. Um, and that's you know the cool thing about this being the first thing we ever made, and all the way through, everything in our portfolio is 100% pure. We never use an artificial ingredient, color, or flavor. So including our vodkas that the government makes us call flavored, they're just distilled with fresh produce, uh, fresh yeah. crushed produce. Um, our, the citrus is just all oranges grown near a distillery that goes right into our stills. No, wow. Never a syrup, never a powder. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, it's like biting into a fresh pear. A fresh pear. Yeah, and it is, uh, you know, even to your point back in 1982, was, I think we were at like 97% of our Odevis went to Europe, and that's how they we survived as a company. Mm -hmm. Um, just because that this category just is not not where it should be in this country. Is there any regulations, guidelines, like federal standards for I don't believe like not for brandy because essentially it's anything distilled right. from fermented fruit. Right. So I don't. That's a good question. Like I, I'm curious if there's any fruit in the blackberry brandy, or maybe it's just grape. It right. Be grape flavored with uh, not to pick on them, but <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Because I, I, I mean, I go down all these rabbit holes yeah. and, and, you know, I was in a big brandy rap. We did a whole series of videos on brandy and sort of that misconception of like, like you said, blackberry brandy, coffee brandy, banana brandy. Like I yeah. grew up bartending, you know, and all those weird apricot brandy and... and they're technically not legally brandies. Yeah. They're just sugar. It's <laughs> like they, they threw the name brandy on there like a creme or a schnapps. Yeah. I know, like, and I'm sure, as you know, like, as it gets broken down to, to specifics, like, obviously, Cognac and, and Armagnac and Pisco, mm -hmm. like, they have very strict rules. And mm -hmm. to be an ODV, it's unaged. Um, but that's a good question. I actually don't, I don't know what are, what are the standards in this country, because I guess, it, which proves this brand, this category is not talked about enough, yep. for sure. Um, so I think that's the other problem is like you see raspberry brandy and you think blackberry brandy and yeah. this is going to be some big but sugary sludgy like, like cough syrup yeah you know and and i think uh yeah as we move to the raspberry it's uh i don't think another fruit has been more destroyed by the spirits industry than raspberries with For either real. like neon blue yeah or <laughs> you know robitussin or mm. jolly ranchers and um the raspberry, the pear is definitely, um, you know, one that people know a little bit more than the mm -hmm. raspberry, but um, the raspberry is just such a cool expression. Um, so we use 100% uh, organic Mika raspberries uh, grown in the Fraser River Valley, so Washington State. Uh, about 40 pounds of raspberry in every single bottle that we produce. Um, again, we use the whole fruit, a much smaller fruit, but uh, just crush, ferment with our uh, proprietary uh, yeast and distill. Um, and this just makes our raspberry liqueur as well. Um, it's almost like a funk on the nose there. 100%. Yep. I was going to say the big difference, our raspberry liqueur is like a, ja a jam bomb, like mm. a fresh uh, fresh raspberry jam. And this is like a lot of like salinity, kind of like funky. Like you said, it's, it's definitely a different one. It's not what people would expect when they taste raspberry. You know, and I like it. Um, yeah. 
I mean, one of the big things I've been doing lately is there's so many bourbons that we can't get. Hey, Mac, um, that I'm trying to present people with like alternative drinking experiences, yeah. you know, uh, you're pushing the hell out of like Copper and King's American Brandy because totally. it drinks like a bourbon, yep. you know. And to me, these drink like like white whiskeys almost. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's it's like a grappa, which is kind of like a brandy version of a white whiskey, yeah. right? Which is super like astringent sometimes. Yep. Um, where these are a little more like subtle, but that that flavor, the fruit is there. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah, that fruit is definitely there. Super delicate. Yeah. I mean, they're meant, you know, Eau de Vizro is meant to be sipped, mm -hmm. but they, when people use these in cocktails, it's, you could put a quarter ounce of the pear in a cocktail and you're going to taste it. It's going to yeah. pop right through. Um, but, it, you know, kind of on the note of everything that we use being fresh, uh, for our raspberries that are produced in Washington State last year, they had unprecedented heat that they'd never had mm -hmm. before, and the fires up there that they've really never had, and it killed all the raspberry crops. Um, and we work with two small family farms up there. And first we were, you know, very sad for them, obviously, because we couldn't buy anything from them. But uh, we tried raspberries, my bosses tried raspberries from all over the country and nothing lived up to our standards. So we, we didn't produce any last year uh, or this this past spring, 2021. Um, so the, the liqueur, we we couldn't produce any. And we do have we do have a good amount of Eau de Vie, luckily, but um, the raspberry liqueur we weren't able to produce just because it's always been the philosophy at St. George. If it doesn't live up to our standards, we're not making mm -hmm. it. That's crazy. That's so good. Thank you. I almost get like seaweed, which sounds weird. Yeah. I get like that weird. Kind of something green in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, wow, those are amazing. But they're cool, right? Yeah. Um, Good thing is, is my delivery from Horizon comes tomorrow, oh. so I can call this in to Scotty. Is he Scott? Um, Scott Reno. Reno. Okay. Is my my rep. Clean so, glass. Yeah, I think. Um, well, actually, the, this one will be good because you just did raspberry. So just, I always like to show. I know they kind of go out of order, but to show the contrast from the liqueur to the eau de vie. Um, so the liqueur. Uh, is just the raspberry ODV. We proof it down to 40 and we add fresh raspberry juice and a touch of liquid organic cane sugar. Um, and just like the difference of the exact same juice, but adding it, adding back in that juice and a little bit of, of organic cane sugar, it's night and day. And it actually smells like raspberries. Yeah. Unlike. Yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. Right? And it is, especially with our on-premise accounts, it's when I walk in, uh, it's whatever you're, whatever you have, let's, Let's do them side by side. And I, we, we tend to never lose that taste test. Wow. Yeah, that's like a, just a mouthful of fresh raspberries. Yeah, there's like no, I, nothing is more raspberry than this raspberry, yeah. you know? It's just pure, uh, it's perfect, makes beautiful cocktails. Mm -hmm. Great on its own, of course, but just like, beautiful yeah i mean the, the color is spot on sweet tart yeah, yeah. not overly sweet but it has that like that right amount of sweetness that good tart from the raspberry and just um it breaks my heart that we don't have any uh because this this one was like taking off after the last couple of years 
Um, but it'll be back hopefully next, we're hoping in the spring for better news. Wow. That's so good. Thank you. Um, have you tried this before? No, what is it? Oh, awesome. This is our spice pear liqueur. So this has become one of our top selling uh, items on and off premise. Um, so same story. This is just made from our pear de beef, fresh pear juice, uh, liquid organic cane sugar. We do whole cinnamon sticks and cloves. Uh, and also you proof down to 40 proof. This one's a life changer. It's, uh, it's just this really cool, different spirit that works in so many different um, applications. Yeah, that, man, everything is spot on. I mean, the nose, you get that cinnamon stick right away. That's like, it reminds me of like mulled alcohol. Yeah. Mulled cider. Totally. And a lot of people say like get apple pie. Yeah. You know, it's pear, but you get that apple, like baking spices mm -hmm. and. Um, like apple pie filling, like the, yeah. that kind of jelly. Like the old, uh, what are those, the hostess cake? Yes. Yeah. Oh those yeah. Things yeah. Are awesome. The pockets, whatever they were called. Um, wow. Yeah. And this would like. Like we love doing old fashions with this. Pull the pull out the sugar and do an ounce of this. Um, grated margaritas, uh, which is uh, what first I heard. I was like, that doesn't sound right. But fresh lime juice and this instead of agave. Um, great, like sparkling wine for fall spritzes, winter spritzes. It just and for mulled wine yep. and, and sangrias. It just it works across the board. Yeah. Um, and the obvious pear martini. Yes, exactly. Yep. Wow. That's a cool one, right? That's fantastic. This is going to be like a dream job. I'm very lucky. Uh, yeah, I've been with them about six years. Um, I used to run the California market, and then I moved back here um, a few years ago. And it's, yeah, people aren't usually upset to see me. Or at least no. my, see my bag. <laughs> <clears throat> it's the, the one, you know, it's the, the great thing about St. George, honestly. I mean, I'm a full cult member, but... It's, nothing's bad in here. Like, I'm not pulling out anything weird where you're like, okay, I need you to try this yeah. if you want this. Everything's really good. Everything might not be for everybody, but the quality the is there quality every is single there. bottle that we put out. And I just love the fact that somebody's out there surviving, making things that are yeah off the path. You yep. know? We've never wavered. And, you know, you really, uh, you were mentioning the American Single Mall, and that's another place where we're not wavering where, we were at the forefront of it with our with our original lot whiskey that came out in 2000 um, of like, this is American Single Malt. Um, and then as the category grew to some really beautiful whiskeys, I love the Westland stuff. There's some really cool stuff out there. Um, it, as they started wanting to put restrictions on it, uh, Lance pulled out of the commission, the American Single Malt Commission. Really? He said, you know, we're, we hope you guys get this done, but we're not. We're not going to be a part of it because Baller wouldn't be an American single malt or our single, our other single malt for that matter. They're just, they're, they won't fall into this category of like, you know, has to be in this barrel or this, yeah. this old. And Lance's, Lance's big thing has ever, has always been not, no one's stifling my creativity. So best of luck, but we're not, we're not in this. So we pulled, we pulled out. Um, but it is still, we're, we're, we are a single malt, and we are made in America, and we're just this totally yep. different off-the-wall thing. 
Where are you getting the fruit for that barrel? The ume fruit? Yeah. Uh, California. Really? Yeah, there's there's uh, two or three Japanese uh, American family farms that make ume. We don't use a lot of it in this country. Uh, we mostly clean them out. So whenever they have it, uh, especially when we were first making baller, uh, there would be a year where they had 150 pounds, so we took it. Next year, nothing. Following year, like 2,000 pounds, we took it all. Um, and um, I have a cool picture of it. Um, yeah, it's all California grown, and now that we've been making it, we released it six years ago, I want to say, or seven years ago, but um, um, as we've been building up our stocks, uh, we've been able to, you know, the liqueur holds, so we've been able to make more and more, hence why we lowered the price last year. Um, mm -hmm. We never changed a thing about production, but Lance's big thing has always been, we don't make whiskey for collectors, we want people to drink this. Um, so yeah, the ume fruit we get is a little bit bigger than a large olive. Jesus, yeah. Um, and they have these tiny little stems in them that are super bitter. So our team of, you know, the few people, kids that are there, they have to pull them out by hand, every single fruit. Wow. Because uh, the, the stems will throw it off. Um, and then we actually soak it in the shochu, which is this, um, with rock organic rock sugar in uh, stainless tanks. That's wild. And it takes about 12 months or may, or longer depending on you know the temperatures um to essentially create that ume liqueur uh we pull the fruit out we take that ume liqueur put that into barrels anywhere from eight to 14 months we take that out and put the baller in there for three to four months so it's a long we always say the right way the wrong way and the saint george way yeah. <laughs> the long way to do it but it's really you know it's it's the process that everything was done and it's like baller when we first uh as we're talking about i guess if i hold the baller i'll make a bottle up um the, we were ready to release Baller, and uh, they, they really came up with it uh, sitting at Ramen Shop in Oakland, which is a great restaurant mm. friend of ours, and they were drinking Habiki highballs and, and eating these delicious mm. bowls of ramen and looking across the water and like, we have a fucking distillery right here. Why are we not making highball well, whiskey? Yep. So it was the idea to make this lighter, you know, younger whiskey, and we had the bottles done, the whiskey was ready, and like right up until bottling, uh, Lance came in and told Dave had this you know thought last night I had this dream last night of doing ume fruit with this whiskey and he's like oh that yeah, sounds really cool we should try that mm -hmm. on the next run and he's like no shut it down we're doing it and we stopped production set us back about 18 months but this was the this wow. was the final um product which is just it's, this beautiful yeah. beautiful spirit it's it's amazing super unique and just different and you know it's definitely not for everybody mm -hmm. but you know and especially when people are expecting to so many times consumer things or whatever it's this isn't tastes like buffalo trace i'm like yeah i know yeah that was the that was the idea it's not supposed to taste like anything else. right that's that's mm -hmm. our thought on, on all of it but um definitely a unique one um that's kind of been my thing is to try to cultivate whiskey drinkers not just fanboy bourbon yeah. drinkers you know because yeah they all want Blanton's the same five well yeah yeah that are made um, by the same person <laughs> but i've got a nice kind of collective now of customers who are drinking things like this and, and you know Lost Monarch we've yeah. turned into a monster and getting B&E going you yeah. know they're they're drinking actual whiskey so it's awesome yeah, that's it's, awesome it's, it's really really cool like you said it's educating I have the same thing with have what it's on the shelf behind you um 
it's the same with bars and restaurants. It's educating the staff. Like, mm -hmm. instead of just putting this in the back bar, now you know about it. Mm -hmm. Or there's other, you know, cool things out there like that. But, um, right. So we can go anywhere you'd like from here. I have our vodkas. I have our gins. Um, we can go into the whiskey. Um, I'm looking at some. Oh, the apple brandy is a good one. Um, the coffee is definitely worth it. We have a lot. So yeah, no, no, I mean, I... No pressure. <laughs> I feel like I'm in the greatest fever dream of my life right now. Um, uh, apple brandy. Yeah, so we put this out. Um, it used to be every two years. Then we were on the path to do it every year. Um, and then uh, when COVID hit, uh, we were so overwhelmed with making everything else. We're, our sales were just up so much that we shelved it. So this is actually our 2019 release. Horizon has a little bit of this left, but they also have our 20... It was it is our 2020 release, but it's our 2020 bottling. Um, so the cool thing about our apple uh, brandies, these are reserved uh, reserved apple brandy, so these are aged. Um, and what we have at the distillery is uh, single barrels of apple brandy all over the place, in all sorts of barrels. Um, we use a field blend of apples, so um, you know a lot of the ones you see at your grocery stores, you know Red Delicious mm -hmm. and Granny Smith, but then we get into like um, banana and banana apples and. Um, Fiji and all these different um, varietals of apples that are all pretty much grown in California as well. Um, and the same method that we do our, our, our ODVs, this is just fresh apples that we get in whole and fresh, crush, ferment, distill, and then a lot of ex-bourbon barrels, um, which you'll definitely get on, on the, I think on the 2019 release. Um, we'll do some French oak, that pre-salt wine, some American oak, um, some Dolce dessert wine casts, um, being so close to Napa and their love of wine, obviously, in Sonoma, uh, we, we have a lot of access to really cool barrels um, that a lot of people can't get. So uh, there'll be some port barrels in here. There'll be some cool varietals wow. of, uh, of grapes in here, or bar grape barrels, I should say. So you're not going for a, like a linear flavor profile? No, like every release batch. is different. Yep. That's awesome. So our 20, like when we were doing it every two years, I would say our 20... This was 2019, so our 2017 release was like, you could trick someone to think they were drinking bourbon almost. It had that like vanilla bomb to it. Um, we've always tried to stay away from like the Calvados style. Not that we could be a Calvados, but that, that style just because they their respect for that category and, yep. and us wanting to do something different. Um, but it's it's really, the process is really cool. I was lucky enough to be out there one, one year. I think it was when we were doing this one. Um, and Dave must have had, I don't know, 70 uh, blind bottles of all single barrels that we have in the distillery of apple brandy. And wow. he's just trying each one and deciding what our blend is gonna be. Um, so we, we don't produce a lot of this, um, but uh, came out a little bit late uh, last year. So we, we have a good amount at Verizon right now. I mean, it almost sounds repetitive, but this is amazing. <laughs> Thank you. No, it's... I mean, it's great to hear on everything that we make. It's, uh, you know, the cool thing about, uh, another cool thing about us is uh, as we go through the labels and stuff, we we like to have fun. Uh, we don't take anything too seriously. Lance and Dave definitely know, but everything that goes into the bottle is very serious. Everything outside of that is is not. Uh, we like to hide a few Easter eggs on our bottles. and um, But it's, they like, they're big proponents of like, what we tell you this is, is it's going to taste just like that. Uh, what's on the label, this is exactly what it's going to taste like. 
And the cool thing about doing these blends is um, the age range. So there's apple brandy in here that's two years old, and there's apple brandy in here that's 12 years old. Jeez. Um, so it's everywhere in between. Uh, we never put an age statement on it. Uh, we don't have to with this. Um, but like with our single malt, the original single malt, um, which I, I don't have, unfortunately, um, we don't put age statements. You know, we have to put the minimum, which is usually we have like a two year in there, but we have a 20, this latest release had a 23 year old single malt in it, our single malt. Um, so it's really cool blend. Those come out once a year. Um, we could, as we get into the whiskey, I'll dive into that a little bit more, but, um, yeah, the apple brandy is just something special. And when you mentioned the Odevies, I, uh, I made sure I threw this in my car. Yeah. I mean, that's try. fantastic. And I think like, actually to your point of like the, you know, the Copper and King stuff, mm. like getting people to whiskey drinkers can certainly yeah. appreciate nope. something like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could smoke a cigar with this. You could have it after dinner. Um, yeah. I think if you blinded somebody on that, they'd think it was whiskey yeah, you that could. had apple flavor notes to it. Right. Yeah, yeah. you could totally get I, That's what I think. And like the cool thing, I wish I had some of the older releases to go side by side. Um, they just, every year it's been that we've released it. Are, are, are this, you always know what it is, but it, they're, they're this different expression mm -hmm. of it. Um, and I'm I'm looking forward to our next one, hopefully next fall. Backtrack to us. Yeah. So if you want to get funky, this is the funkiest thing <laughs> you will taste. Um, and actually, it will be a good lead into to uh, baller. Um, Glen Karen, this one. So our shochu, uh, much like when we we used to make an agricole rum back in the day. Um, Really? Well, yeah, really cool one. I'll bring I'll bring you some. Uh, we haven't made it since 2014, but um, when we do something like that, that is you know predominantly made in another country, another culture, we want to make sure we're paying proper tribute. But uh, but also by doing that, we use ingredients from our home state. So our agricole rum had sugarcane grown in California. This is cow rose rice grown in California in the Central Valley. So there's only two ingredients: it's cow rose rice and koji spores. Uh, so essentially, make a sake and distill it into a foolproof shochu, so more of the Japanese style, uh, rather than soju. Um, all our labels, you can tell, a little bit creative. Yeah. All, all done in-house. Uh, Lance designs a lot of them, but we work with local artists in the Bay Area as well. Uh, but this, the California bear, you know, paying tribute to California, and then the Japanese flag paying tribute to them. Uh, the This translates uh, coming out of the bear's mouth to angry bear sound. Uh, he thought that was funny. <laughs> Uh, but this is a foolproof shochu, um, so 80 proof. Uh, definitely a weird one, but super fun. I was happy to I was able to bring it into the state. That's dangerous. It's weird, right? <laughs> totally different. Um, I mean, it just tastes like, in a good way, like water that has a little bit of flavor yeah like mushroom water almost yeah i mean <laughs> that's it's, a good way to put it. it it's got a little but it's so there's no burn yeah it's, it's that's dangerous it's a it's a sneaky one um when i was working in the california market there's you know in los angeles is a huge korea town and that the big thing there is buckets of beer and, and bottles of sh soju which yep. is like 20 proof and we had this new account that loved our, loved this. So they brought it in. They were doing bottle service with it. And I go in a couple weeks later, and he's like, man, I don't know what's going on. All these guys are falling off their bar stools and 
I'm like, yeah, it's 80 proof. Yeah. They don't, you have to tell them yeah. <laughs> it's not a 20 proof, uh, you know, sake runoff. This yep. is 80 proof. <laughs> but just another one that's, you know, this is a cool bottle to have. If you have a, if you have a cool collection of spirits, this is something that nobody else is going to have. It's, it's weird. Um, we, we incorporate it into our highball sometimes. I'm always on the hunt for what people do with, with something like this. Um, I've had a cocktail with, with duck, uh, duck bone broth with this. Interesting. It was, you would have one. It was really good, but you were like, all right, I might have to gout after I drink this. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, there's, it's super funky. It'll, it'll blast right through, um, anything that you make it with, but. Um, this is another category. I mean, outside of this country, it's a pretty big category. Yeah. Um, but definitely something unique. And, and the cool thing about it, I, I'm glad I have it here because it does, it plays such a big role in creating baller because we soak the ume fruit in this um, and the rock sugar and it, and it. That's what, you know, seasons these barrels. It's just amazing. Thank you. And yet it drinks. I've had some of those twenty proof, twenty percent. Yeah, and it shochu's in. It drinks the same exact way. Yeah, it's easy drinking, yeah. right? And I'm no, I'm definitely no expert on the on the categories, but from my understanding, the Korean shochu normally is like they kind of use the run up, like the the throwaway stuff from making mm -hmm. their kind of cheaper sake. Where in Japan, like they do everything, is very meticulous and. Mm -hmm. It's from high, their high-end sake, and they, they polish the rice, and they do, you know, the whole thing. So theirs is generally a more cleaner spirit and a higher proof. Um, but definitely a unique one and a weird thing to see. All right. All right. Keep my eye on this. Yeah. Um, you don't get to see many barrel-aged gins. Yeah, so, and if you haven't had this... Which is the... The dry rye? Yeah, the unaged version of that. Yeah. I would try them both. I have that at home. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so to your point, one is uh, technically it's we can't call it a barrel-aged gin, which is why it's... Really? Yeah, the TTB, the TTB classifies gin as an unaged spirit. So that's why most barrel... Like, uh, I want to say Bar Hill or... Um, well, Bar Hill does the... Their, Tomcat. The Tomcat. I'm trying to think of like another. I think blue coat. Had yeah, blue one. coat. For example, they call it barrel rested, yep. right? So there's ways around it. Um, for us, because uh, we like to mess with the TTB, um, they've given us such a hard time over the years. Uh, we called it reposado, so no tie to tequila, yep. other than uh, just to stand for the word rested. Yep. So what we do is we take our dry rye gin, um, which is 100% pot still rye, so we call it our whiskey drinkers gin. Definitely out of the three, the mm. weirdest one. Yep. Um, only six botanicals, juniper, of course, uh, which has double the juniper of the other two gins. Um, coriander, caraway, uh, Malabar, black peppercorn, lime peel, and grapefruit peel. Okay. Um, so with only the six botanicals, are definitely more pronounced. So what we do is we take that, uh, we put it into wine barrels. We happen to be next door to a winery uh, called Rockwell Winery, where the head winemaker happens to be Dave Smith's brother. Um, so we have a few connections. Um, so we age it in three kinds of barrels, uh, Tanat, Grenache Rosé, and Syrah barrels. We're not doing Solera, so it's not barrel hopping. We're doing three separate agings and then blend. Um, 99 proof, so a little bit higher proof than this, but to me, the wine kind of takes the edge off of it, um, where this, this drinks a little hotter. Um, but 
just this I love this this gin. It's it's not uh, talked about enough. It's it's unique. It's I think like especially is this being like our whiskey drinkers gin. Yep. After you age it, it really becomes a you know in that category. I feel like it's a very St. George thing to age it in tonight barrels. Yeah, wine, I never <laughs> heard of the wine until I was <laughs> doing this gin. Um, you know better than me. Tanat's generally used in blends, right? You don't yeah. see like Tanat a lot. And most of what I see is like South America, like yeah. Chile. Yep. Um, and also kind of classic St. George. Lance swore up and down he would never do a barrel-aged gin. He thought it was a cheesy, like, he's like, you know, kind of bastardizing mm -hmm. gin. But Dave had this idea, so he essentially stole gin from us and brought it over to his brother's winery. And after he tried it, after it was ready, he brought it to Lance and he said, I'm either going to get fired or you're going to love this. And uh, Lance tasted it and was like, you son of a bitch. And uh, he nailed it. Um, so it's not in our book. We don't sell it in every state. Um, I would say it's limited, but not really. I keep it in stock in Massachusetts all the time. Um, What's interesting about this to me is it reminds me of old tom gins yep. um aviation old tom yep. is a great one for me every old tom gin that i taste i get this like raw ginger hmm. kind of flavor from i wonder if it's from the sugar i don't know if it's the sugar or the way the oak reacts yeah. with the juniper like and i get that with this like i get yeah yeah, and I guess, you know, we're the big difference being we don't add any sugar to it. So not an old, but like in that, you know, it's in that same style of producing it. Yeah, I mean, that's. So this, Again, I mean, fantastic. you make it old fashioned with this. You could do a Manhattan yep. with this. Uh, uh, a Boulevardier just drinks like a, I mean, a, sorry, a Negroni drinks like a Boulevardier, I should say. Um, Even. So when we did the gin thing, what we did was we we would taste the gins side by side blind. Yep. And then I would do a cocktail for uh, each round. So one round we did bees knees. One so round all we did the gins and a bees knees. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of the de deciding factor. When we came down to the final one, the cocktail was Clover Club. Mm. And it was actually it was Aviation Old Tom. Uh, the, that did one. they still make that? After their transition, or did they? I don't know. Out? I mean, I've got plenty of it in stock yeah. because it's such a weird category. It's not that, a hot one. Yet. <laughs> you know, people. I gotta get Ryan Reynolds to push that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a that's a. I like that idea of doing doing the cocktails too. And that's it, a good idea. What it, it did you find did. they went hand in hand sometimes, or totally different sometimes? It's totally different, and it was the deciding fact that what I was trying to show. Because, you know, we have fun, but I'm always trying to educate people of, like, you know, people go, like, I don't like gin. Yep. Well, maybe you had Tanqueray and it's super piney, but aviation is not piney. Yeah. Or, you know, Bar Hill isn't, no. you know, so, they like. shut down a whole category. Yeah. Yeah, and because it happens you, a lot. Yeah. And you had a bad experience when you were 14 or something. Yeah, you know? and that's exactly it. Like, <laughs> so many people, you know, tried Jose Cuervo and now they don't like tequila, yeah. you know, or Tanqueray and they don't like gin or. Yeah. I mean, growing up here, I never saw another tequila besides yeah. Cuervo until now. Obviously, now, but mm -hmm. uh, when I was a kid, that was all there was. Yeah, <laughs> and for gin, I mean, even when I started bartending, it was your choices were Tanqueray or Beef Eater. Yep. Yeah, the London Drives, which a lot of people mm -hmm. do have that aversion. Mm -hmm. We also found more and more that, um, and I think with the rise of better mixers, that a lot of people don't like tonic. 
because we found like mm -hmm. that taste that they don't like because they ninety percent were trying it in a gin and tonic with gun yep. tonic yep. that's super sweet and yeah terrible tonic too yes but now with like the rise of things like fever tree and Q and mm -hmm. you can you can tailor your tonic to your gin which mm -hmm. is really cool we we just did like because uh, we're we were still virtual we had our like sales meeting and. It was really cool. They sent us nine gins, and we did uh, American whiskeys too that are in our set. But they sent us blank bottles, and we were all in Zoom. But we all tasted through ourselves, took notes, you know, all the way through, and we were all almost on the same page. And we didn't know what any of the gins were until we started after we gave all our reviews. Then they told us what they were, and uh, I won't bad talk anybody, but uh, the one that was our our gins weren't in there, but. The ones that was all of us, all seven or eight of us, the number one pick for best gin was was Bar Hill, and it was like unanimous. Yeah. And we, they were against some pretty big brands, and uh, it was really cool to see because I, you know, it's cool when I respect those guys a lot. I think they do some cool things. Um, but the, I like the idea of doing a cocktail with it because I think some of them are like, yeah, don't worry about what it tastes like by itself. Just put it in a drink and mm -hmm. it'll be okay. Which is nothing wrong with that either, but interesting i like that idea and i i felt like if we did the bracket again using the same 16 gins and just changed the cocktail yeah you would get different results because totally this might work in a bee's knees but it might not work in a negroni the same yeah. way or yeah you know and that's what i wanted to show is like there's so much diversity you can do different gin. cool things yeah. yeah i mean even our three gins you could do a negroni with all three and it would be a wildly different yep. negroni. um yeah, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. And Negronis are, are great anyways because you change the vermouth or you change the bitter component yeah. or the, the bitters that you add to it. Totally. And you've got... Someone you know, turned me on to throwing a, few, uh, a little bit of salt in the Negroni and now I can't it, do it without it. Really? Yeah. It's It just it made it... Like not even a lot. Like a little bit of like big kosher salt, just like a few drops, uh, you know, and it just changed it. I was like, damn, I can't believe I've never done this. I'm going to try <laughs> yeah. that when I get home. Um, right. what next? Okay, so we did that. So, I mean, you want to revisit Baller or b and &E? I know you have b and &E back there. Um, if you haven't tried the Bruto, speaking of bitter, I would definitely yeah. love to try on that. Uh, the Nola. Um, the Absinthe would definitely be last. That Absinthe is so good. Oh, you've had it. Okay, awesome. Um... Yeah, so Bruto, um, definitely one of my favorite things that we put out too, and it's it's definitely got gotten quite a cult following over the years. Um, you know, we're paying tribute to those great Italian aperitivos, uh, um, and we're not delusional. We're going to replace them in any way, but putting our own American spin on it. Even the name Bruto Americano, ugly American, um, just this different style. Nice bitterness to it. Doesn't stay though, right? It's like this, not that long punch of bitterness, like like the you know some of the bigger ones, but has that bitter component. No, and the fact that I poured it over the gin too, yeah, kind of gives you that nice Negroni kind of vibe to it. Um, so we're doing gentian root for bitterness, uh, Cascara Sagrada, which is California buckthorn trees in the bark, uh, Seville orange peels for some citrus notes. Uh, ginger, pink peppercorn. Um, we do balsam fir, which we actually get from Maine. 
uh, where the terroir gin is um, Douglas fir that grows right near a distillery mm -hmm. on Mont Sam. Uh, Lance and his wife Ellie spend a lot of time in Maine and they have some friends up there and they love that feel of the Northeast woods. So we get uh, from a small family farm, it's a, it's a husband and wife and their two kids and uh, they grow balsam firs and we get it shipped out fresh to California right into our stills. Um, gives that nice woods note to it. Um, one cool component too about this is uh, we never, again, never use anything artificial. So there's only two ways to get the color red in spirits and it's it's food dyes or cochineal, which is the old school way that they all used to do it and they don't any longer. So essentially crushed up bugs. Um, so we went that route um, just for the fact that we don't know what's in those red food dyes. Yeah. Um, so this is a good example of like, uh, we hide some stuff on here. You can see the cochineal. Oh. Right there, and there's another one up here somewhere. So this is a Lance design, kind of original laser etch. Um, give it that 70s propaganda look. Yeah. Um, great in Negronis, but what I love about, I think, Bruto is it works in both aspects. Like, it makes a fantastic spritz. Great Negronis. I love it with, with soda water uh, mm. as, a, like, a nice aperitif um or when i'm hung over um, <laughs> great with uh fever tree makes a great grapefruit soda and i just yeah. love it with that it pops in yep. there and then the other one that we found a ton of success with is doing um mezcal negronis because this kind of wood, yeah. more woodsier notes kind of yep. plays nicely with that mezcal yeah um so it really works and especially when you're doing there's so many cool vermouths out there like you just said mm. and uh it just really pops in a lot of different things yeah that's again repetitive but thank you amazing no it's good to hear it's the blessing and the curse everything's mm -hmm. really good um so i have everything up here except the vodkas are in my back but uh that's the only one that's real. do the coffee yeah um so nola uh big difference between us and most coffee liqueurs is uh we're not flavoring anything with coffee so we're not flavoring a rum we're not flavoring you know a white spirit we're taking we're starting with the beans and we're roasting them ourselves in-house so 100% organic Yurgachev Ethiopian coffee beans. Um, we roast them from light to very dark. Um, grind them up and essentially just make a cold brew coffee. I can smell that already. Right? It pops nicely. Um, wow. So Nola being that New Orleans style of coffee. So we're doing Madagascar vanilla, French chicory root. Uh, touch of liquid organic cane sugar to take the edge off the chicory. Um, and, that, and just that's just straight cold brew, and then we steep it in alcohol, which will be the non-GMO corn that we use in our vodkas and gins, um, or two of our gins, I should say. Um, and the result just being like a super clean cold brew, not sugary, not creamy, it's not syrupy. Yeah. No, that's... It just smells like coffee. Yep. That's amazing. It's cool, right? Uh, the cool, the other cool thing is uh, because it's pure coffee, caffeine-wise, an ounce and a half is about a cup of coffee. Wow. Of caffeine. Um, yeah, I mean, it tastes like you poured a cup of coffee, forgot about it. Yeah. A couple hours later, you... And you're like, I'll take this yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this is actually, if you're sitting at Cafe Du Monde um, in New Orleans, where the famous beignet is, this is your view. So if you're sitting at a table outside, uh, Dave met his... Uh, Dave was on a work trip to Louisiana and uh, met a young lady down there and they kind of hit it off and she was going to school at Tulane. So they started this long distance relationship from Oakland to, to um, Louisiana and they got to know each other in these coffee shops in New Orleans and now they're married and have two awesome kids and he wanted to pay tribute to their relationship so he came up with NOLA. 
That's amazing. That's cool, right? And it is. It's another one where it's a weird category, too. You know, like, I think you have the, the Kahlua and the Bailey's drinkers, mm -hmm. which, to me, that's a, a totally different category. Um, and now there's a rise of a few. There's a few um, out mm -hmm. there making some cool things and some other um, competitors. And I know, like, the tequila companies have all dropped out because the glass problems yep. and Patron uh, 86 theirs. And um, I think, what was the other one? Avion? They might have 86 yeah. theirs, too. Yep. Um, I think, again, different profiles, but... Um, it is a category in the rise as the espresso martini has become the national drink somehow. <laughs> I guess it's better than Tito's soda lime, but it's a, it's a new one. kind of feel like I want that for my next uh, Big Lebowski viewing party. It's awesome. We uh, So I'll tell you a couple things. So we're, we're always a big part of it in San Francisco because they love our, even though he's a Kahlua guy, yep. we love this. But uh, as I was saying, we, sh we have Easter eggs. Yeah. Um, I need to use my cell phone when I look at it, but right there, I don't know if you can read that writing. It's, it's tiny. super small, but it says the dude abides. That's yeah, awesome. I'm sure we might be able to get sued for that, but uh, we, we put that in there. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it's like if you're ever like you have a flashlight, which I need, uh, it's right under those first three windows. It says the dude abides. That's so cool. Super small. Um, actually, I'll show you too while we're looking at it. So all, a lot of our bottles like... Um, yeah, the gin, the botanivore has it. Um, the terroir has a bear. So we always do subtle hints to California without like spelling it out. But anywhere you see a bear trap um, in super small writing, and now I haven't looked at it in a while. So it's always in the corner right there. And again, it's super small, but it says D-T-O-S-T. Everyone where you see a bear trap, and that just stands for drink the shit out of this. That's awesome. <laughs> it's kind of the saying at the distillery when they're working on things like, How'd that come out? And you'd be like, I'd drink the shit out of this. Uh, uh, we like to hide a few things here and there in our bottles. That is amazing. Um, I could share another one with you. So our vodkas, um, all three vodkas have the same uh, label style. So they're all made to look after like money. Yep. Uh, kind of the idea of like vodka pays the bills. Um, they all say, you know, this spirit is legal tender for all bars, public and private. And the other one that we like to throw in here, which is my favorite is uh we pledge to craft quintessential spirits to delight hedonists and genius bartenders alike. Uh, but uh, all our vodkas have uh, the stamp on it, the AFV, which uh, depending on what company we're in, it either stands for Alameda's Finest Vodka or what it really stands for is another fucking vodka. Because <laughs> uh, that's all people want to see. Yep. Somebody come in with another fucking vodka yep. and tell you why our vodka is better than everybody else's. Um, so we have to hide a few things on our labels. That is fantastic. It's an amazing lineup. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so you yeah, you know B&E, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Have you tried this before? I actually have a bottle okay, of that at cool. home. Scotty had brought me samples of the citrus. Oh, nice. Okay. Chili. And the all-purpose. Yeah. 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 So the cool thing about the, uh, you know, I know the straight vodka category is a tough one, but uh, the cool thing to me about the all-purpose, it's like a vodka for not vodka drinkers. It has a taste. It has a mouthfeel. Yep. For us to make a neutral spirit would be pointless. So we actually take the O to B, the pear, and we blend it into our uh, corn to give it a little bit of mouthfeel. Um, but just a little backstory in the vodkas. Awesome. Such a good lineup. Thank you so much. Thank you. This so was much. great. I appreciate yeah. the opportunity. I never get to like pull everything up. So this is really fun. Yeah, I don't get many tastings where everything is yeah. amazing. I don't have any cinnamon whiskey to pull out. This is it. <laughs> 
And oh, just to, um, I, I meant to t talk about it um, in case you you haven't seen it. So this only comes out once a year. Okay. Um, we laid down our first barrel of whiskey in 1996. Um, and we felt like all that, we laid down a bunch of barrels, I should say, but we felt it was ready for release in 2001. Uh, which became lot one. So we kind of got lucky it lined up with the years, but um, so every year since 2001, we do one release, um, about 506 packs a year. So not that many bottles, about 3,000 bottles that goes out nationally. Um, much like our, how I was describing our apple brandy, it's kind of the same system. We have all these single malts, they're always, but this is 100% malted barley um, and then aged all over the place in different barrels. All our brandy glass made our distillery. Um, so every year, similar style, but never the same uh, expression. So the once that's gone, it's gone, and then we move on to the next one. So this 2021 was our 21st release. Um, came out beautifully in 2020 is when we changed these labels. Uh, so you, if you ever see it out there, it's always in these bottles, but the labels were brown. They looked a little bit different, but very small. I wish I had one to show you, but I don't. But Always like right here under where the label is, it'll say SM21, SM20, SM19, up and down the line. Um, so that's one I don't even get samples of because we make so li yep. so less so much uh, little of it that we want people to enjoy it. But uh, it is here in Massachusetts. Um, if you didn't get any, uh, I can if it's something you want, I can make sure that they send you some. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. awesome. All right. Cool. I got to make a phone yeah. call to, to Mr. Scotty and cool. put some orders in. Well, let me know if you need. Uh, there's my card, too. Uh, yeah.